content. Spring is in the books. It went fast. It went fast. The, the white team covered, you know, your imaginary oh, spread. Yeah. That yeah. spread was awful. Well, you didn't count on the running clock, which, you know, so MVP, MVP of the game right there. Some people will tell me I'm not in the right business, and I would disagree with them. But more to the point, I know there are other businesses. I tell I you would, that all the time. I would be worse at, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and and the betting gambling business would definitely be it, worse. It's 30, fascinating. I had it 38 and a half. But you look at the rosters. Yeah. And admittedly, not everyone on the blue team is going to play. But that's consists entirely of anyone who's going to see a meaningful snap in 2018 versus Lamont Wade, Etcher Gross Matos, Jonathan Sutherland, and Zach McPherson, and a bunch of scrubs. Right. And and Gross Matos didn't play either. Right. So, yeah. I mean, and it was an 11-point game. Uh, you know, it, it, game, we, can, we could overanalyze it and say, you know, this, the secondary of the white team kept that game close. I mean, did, I, I, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like it was a bad game. I mean, it, it was a spring game. You know, you, the Nothing really happened, but it wasn't like it was an awful experience where everybody looked bad or anything like that. So, yeah. well, you also say that like you uh, aren't going to read Tale of Tape tomorrow morning. Well, midway through that film studies, we record here late on a Sunday night. Wow. Don't tell me nothing happened. I, I'm still waiting for your snap counts. <laughs> I, I didn't get that. I, I tell everyone on Twitter we're rambling again. We got to stay on focus because yeah. all right, let's get to this. The rundown for today's episode: action packed. We're, we're going to continue to recap the blue white game in a little bit more organized fashion. After that, get to the recruiting. 160 unofficials on campus. 10 officials here, all their friends and family, what's come of that, um, guys to look forward to in the summer, and then NFL draft followed by the mailbag. Yeah, that's all a right. lot. Yeah, lots to get to for a Sunday night. I so, should be in bed by now. <laughs> uh, before we do any of that, uh, the tail of tape. Yeah, there, there was some good stuff in there, um, some fun little nuggets, which kind of plays into what we're going to talk about. But uh, before I get into any of that and pat anyone else at the back, I'm going to do it myself. All right. Because who was the one player I said, I'm excited to see that really haven't really talked about? Yeah, you nailed it. The uh, guy with two touchdowns. Mac Hammer. Yeah. I mean, he, you, you loved his route running. You you, you know, you like a, a lot about his game and you got lucky. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that too. <laughs> okay. so, no, I mean, he was he, he played a really good game. I mean, it was nice to see him flash and, you know, he got, he got the run with the first team and, you know, the, the, the receiver groups were a little bit weighted toward the blue team, but... You know, whichever quarterback he was in there with, he was fine. I mean, he was great. Right. He was one of four bullet points that we had of what to watch for just offensively. We yeah. didn't know the rosters last time we, we sat down, so we just listened. These guys are the ones you want to watch for. Hammer intrigued me because we've heard so much about K.J. Hamler, but it hasn't been Hamler in the starting lineup when we go to practice. It's been Hippenhammer. Reviewing the tape just of the first half so far, we saw him at X and Z, which tells me even as he's kind of splitting his time between baseball and football, he's got enough of a grasp there where they feel confident to bounce him around. And not only just from a skill set standpoint, but mastery of the playbook. So that's impressive. Obviously, the two touchdowns, not as impressive. One of our other bullet points, offensive line on the second team where, you know, you hear so much the numbers of 10 and 11, right? Guys, they feel confident rolling out there could be on the two deep will be on the two deep and can contribute and win in the big 10 you didn't feel like that with the likes of at least for me the guards and centers were, were not that good there on the white team yeah i mean of course they're going against the first team defensive line or were part of the first team defensive line so that that factors into it but yeah you just didn't see i mean we, we talked about cj thorpe this offseason about how good he's been in the run game according to the coaches you didn't really see that but I mean, it's. Uh, it, I, I think there's a big gap between probably six or seven, and then the rest of that offensive line. So it's still a work in progress from that aspect as well. 
And I think just as the offensive line as a whole, the excitement about that stems from, you know, where Penn State's come from, right? But it might not match, you know, the excitement in other places that are talking about the offensive line because in that instance, they're talking about being dominant. For Penn State, it's just been this climb from, you know, poor to below average, not about average last year now too, could they finally eclipse that mark and kind of really move people or protect well in the past game. I, I think, again, you probably hit it on the head, six to seven is, is going to be above average. Below that, you feel okay about maybe C.J. Thorpe or Mike Miranda stepping in at this point if they need to for injury. But, you know, including that performance and, and what we've seen in spring, it, it's not ideal. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and, and that climb is something that you know you expect uh, you expect them to take a big leap at some point. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to continue to steadily get better. You know, they're impressed or they impressed the coaches this spring. When they get to the fall, they'll be marginally better, slightly better, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's not necessarily you're not going to turn into all Americans overnight. So right, and especially the two players we referenced, Thor and Miranda, they're going to be redshirt freshmen, right? And then Alex Gellers did redshirt the, sophomore. The sanctions and everything in the last couple of years has just blown away expectations in, in terms of when people want people to be ready and when people are actually going to be ready. I mean, in a typical program, you're not looking at Miranda and Thorpe to step in as, as potential starters this year. Penn State's been able to do that and they've gotten lucky with some guys. You know, I think Will Fry is still coming along from that aspect, but yep. they've gotten lucky with some guys. But, uh, you know, just typical timelines, it's, it, it's not adding up. And they'll continue to get there like the class that they brought in this year. I think, you know, Nana Asidu and, and Rashid Walker, they're, they're going to be guys that are really good, but you don't have to rush them in there and you don't have to spend the time adding weight, developing, getting them in, getting them in the playbook. And you're talking, you're talking two years and that's perfectly fine right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. The last two points here are kind of tied together because we saw some two back sets from Penn State in the spring game. Oh. And we could count on one hand how many times we've seen Penn State go 20 personnel, two running backs, zero tight ends, three wideouts in the last two seasons. That was matched on Saturday. Now, the reason I say that's tied together because when we last sat down, we talked about, okay, how are the non-Miles Sanders running backs going to do, and how about the other tight ends? Our point for the tight ends was just make sure no one notices you. Right. Well, it's really hard to notice you when you're on the sidelines and not doing anything. You can count on two fingers so, how many tight ends in, played on Saturday. In that regard, yeah, they were very successful. Now, the reason they went to 20 personnel again is because they only had two tight ends play. Three were you know laced up. Zach Koontz was out with a little bit of an injury. Um, but Joe Arcangelo and Danny Dalton were out there for most of the snap, about 80-90%. What did you see, not from them though, because I think they were solid again, they didn't have to do anything, from uh, Mark Allen, Jonathan Thomas, and Journey Brown? You saw a little bit of a spark, but uh, I think there's a clear uh, difference between them and Miles Sanders, and everybody's going to be comparing them to Saquon, and nobody is is stop going to be Barkley right yeah. now. Yeah, just stop. Um, but uh, there's a little bit of a spark. I, I don't know that there's the you know the the home run that factor that goes in there. Everybody's going to look to Journey Brown. Journey Brown's got a, a ways to go before he's a, yes. a, a solid all around running back. Um, you know, so I, I I don't see tremendous amount of production. From those guys and that's why i think we, we both expect miles to be you know overwhelmingly the guy this fall but if there is going to be a number two again at this standpoint because you don't know how ricky Slade when he steps on campus in late june yeah. is going to factor in there and we believe to some degree he will i think he will yeah. yeah how much don't know yet um but i think you'll see some more of the two backs because again even when you have nick bowers jonathan holland back pat fryermuth will come on campus with that recruiting class you know the tight ends will have more bodies i think you have more game ready running backs 
than you would tight ends at this point. So that lends itself to, well, we've got to do what's best by our roster schematically. That says maybe four wideouts, which we talked about before. And if not, if you're taking a tight end off the field, you've got to put another running back on there. And to me, it's interesting because you could go with Mark Allen, who, you know, pass protection has been solid, you know, obviously catching the ball. It's just he's got to be so many so good at so many things because he's 5'6". Right. No, absolutely. But I but I think he is. I think Mark Allen can block. I think Johnny Thomas can block. So you're bringing that second running back in and putting him beside Sanders, who's obviously, you know, probably going to get the ball in that situation. But you bring in an extra blocker from that angle. It, it changes a few things and it helps you out, you know, schematically from that angle. The other part, I'm so glad you said schematically. Oh, boy. Oh, no. You said it. I obviously did not. Schematically. Because I'm in the process of writing about this in detail of the tape. The reason they can go to 20 personnel, not only for the reason we just discussed, it, it fits their roster better. But a lot of their run concepts, if you count the tight end or H-back, Mike Kosicki, for the last two years as a running back, you just move them back a couple yards in yeah. the backfield. You're running a lot of two-back personnel, two-back concepts. I'm having such a hard time Two back. I, like, is it yeah. past my bedtime or what's, what's wrong with me? Yeah. They run a lot of two-back concepts as it is. It's just dressed up as a tight end. And that's the whole versatility of that position is the key to the offense. So when you take that tight end off and you put a second running back on, you can still go with a lot of zone read, a lot of inside zone, some power read, some dark concepts. You're just having that second running back take on those responsibilities. They don't have to reteach things. It's not a new package. It'll be dressed up. And that's the beauty of the entire offense. Simplicity dressed up as, oh, they do so many different things. You heard it here from Andrew first. Two backs means more shovel passes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way I've been speaking right now, I might have said that. I just didn't know it. But bottom line is a lot of the stuff they do already translates well to two-back. If you want to watch any Big 12 offenses, they're doing a lot of this RPO stuff, 20 personnel, chucking it deep. It's it's more A-right, but it's similar to what Penn State does structurally, and I think they're going to be able to take what they've already been doing and translate it, even though it might look up a little bit different because it's it's really not. Um, Defensively last week... We, yeah, please we, talk for the next minute or we two. We talked a lot about the young corners, uh, Zach McPherson and Donovan Johnson. I thought both played very well, yes. uh, especially McPherson on Saturday. Um, so I, I, I don't know how much we can expound on that because you know Penn State's probably five deep at corner. Jabari Butler played well as well, so he's probably your sixth guy right now, and you know the, there's a lot of talent in that room we said that last week even without John Reed or Amani Oriware out there so I mean I, 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 re, I mean this is nothing new we, we really like the corner room and that hasn't changed it's loaded man and you nailed it this was your hip and hammer um, defensively because you brought this up the last point the last time we talked I, I'm impressed with them um, you know a couple of those balls at McPherson who played well were just Ooh, shouldn't have thrown that. Yeah. And, and, and from Trace McSorley. But he has an interception. I mean, I can't imagine how many postgame stories are about, wow, Zach McPherson forcing himself into the conversation. Could he be the third corner over Drake? And, you know, I think he's he's locked into that spot. Speaking with him postgame, he seems very comfortable with his role in that room. He goes, listen, John Reed and Imani, they're our leaders. We're happy to have them back. They're going to be the starters, no doubt about it. But if any of them goes down again, you know, I think they feel confident about Zach as a guy who could bounce inside and out too, just like Donovan Johnson, but obviously more confidence in what McPherson can do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, stepping back to the safeties, I think the guys we were most interested to see were the, those backups. And, you know, I, I got to say, John Sutherland, we haven't heard a ton about him this spring. I said that last week on the pod. You know, came in, he was not afraid to stick his nose in there. Uh, Lamont Wade played a lot as well. I know you want to talk a little bit about him. Um, yeah, go ahead. Just okay, so with Lamont, both of them very physical. Both yeah. had five tackles. Lamont Wade with the forced fumble, which is a great play in and of itself because he's got to chase down 
KJ along the sideline. Anyway, that's no easy task. He does that, then pops the ball out. Now, my question about Lamont is really his usage because when you see him on the field, and we've seen this in practice, he's at safety. They go nickel. He's dropping down to that nickel position where they bring in the extra DB, replaces the Sam linebacker, the star position, which is played by both of them. That means bringing on a separate safety end in his place. So instead of bringing on a corner, we've already talked about, they've got a lot of depth there. They opt to drop him down. To me, if you're developing him as a true safety, why is he taking extra reps in an area that, you know, he's already going to play man coverage when they're in their base defense and they're playing cover one. Like one of those safeties traditionally drops down. Um, and to me, I just don't know if that's best for his development. Perhaps it's a sign that he's not going to be at safety long term. But if that's the case, we just talked about the competition he would face in that corner room because not only was he a guy who you counted on the inside, but John Reed's going to play inside at nickel. Uh, Donovan Johnson and Zach McPherson could too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think without it's so tough to say without Reed or Amani out there because then you bump Castro Fields up to the starter. You've got McPherson in there. You've got Donovan Johnson. You know, so – you're you're almost taking two steps back right there by putting those by putting those starters back out there. You don't know if you're if you're going to pull one of those corners off to to put Lamont Wade in that in that nickel spot in that star spot, or if you have to you know add another safety. I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, you want to you want to keep as many of those corners on the field as you can, and, and then sort of uh, patch the holes at safety. I mean, you've got Nick Scott out there, Garrett Taylor, um, Wade Sutherland, uh, Patricia was in there. Um, I think it's probably the first time we've seen him healthy in in a couple of years. So, uh, you just to me, it's all things even. You go with the corner. Yeah, and it, you know if that's what he's going to be, then let him do that. But even when he's on the white team, so the white team has three corners, right. and they've only got a couple of safeties. When they brought Wade down into the nickel position, Isaiah Humphreys came off the sideline and played safety. Now, obviously, you want to get him reps just like anybody else as right. an early enrollee, but you could have just as easily left Wade back there as a guy who's supposedly in this competition at safety and brought McPherson to the nickel and then had Trent Gordon come off the bench to play outside corner. Because McPherson, again, can play inside. But instead, it was Wade, and it has been Wade the last couple of practices that we've seen on these Wednesdays. So I'm not sure what his role is. It bears watching in the beginning of summer because that's the time where you've really got to define your roles. Um, And for him, you know, Brent Price in postgame, and this was relayed to me. I wasn't there when he said it. it, They feel they were really glad to get him a look at safety and at corner. Well, why? What does like, that mean? It sounds like you learned something, but what was it? Well, right. the follow-up question, lo and behold, was not about Wade. Um, it was about somebody else, and that makes you cringe as a journalist. <laughs> but uh, we're going to have to wait like everybody else will until summer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it's important to note, I mean, they've tried some of those corners out. At sa- they tried Amani out at safety two years ago. It didn't work out. They moved him back. No harm, no foul. And right. it seems to work out. So, you know, whether that's a full-term move, which if you looking at him, he looks like a safety, but – yeah, he's physical. We'll, we'll find out. Man. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out. So. All right. Um, moving down now, linebacker discipline. I, I wasn't so interested in Cam Brown, Cole Farmer. That's a good thing because yeah. we did not see them no. <laughs> for a single snap. And the young guys were out there. First half that I've seen again, I liked what I saw from Jesse Lucchetta. Micah obviously stands out from a physical standpoint. You know, the discipline was there. I think you, you're obviously still working on things. I didn't see any major errors. All in all, a positive day. Yeah, I, I think what we talk about with the tight ends is you don't notice those guys. I mean, you didn't notice those guys completely out of position. I, you know, Darian flew around Faison Walden, you know, who yes. we haven't seen much at all. He, he was flying around. And I still don't know if Micah Parsons is a linebacker, but man, that kid, that kid can move. I mean, he can get to, he can get to the quarterback. You know, you bring him on a blitz and just make things happen. You, 
you know, you sent me uh, you know, a little a snippet of, of play from earlier today. Oh, he yeah. just flew well, by. That was his first play. His first play. He just flew just right by up. Alex Gellerstead. Uh, yeah, this, the, the kid is he, – he's shown flashes of something special. And he just kind of – just like, wow, man, he, he can do some stuff. So what's holding you back then if he can do some stuff about him being a true linebacker? I mean, I know he thrives at D-end, but – I mean, you talk about the discipline. Did, did we see it? I mean – I know that he played fairly well, but can, can you judge that off the last or just just what we saw on Saturday? I mean, I, I don't know that he's there long term, and I you know I just think his natural position is a four three rush end, or actually probably a three four uh, three four outside linebacker, where he just gets to the quarterback because that's what he's done so well for so long because he's just so quick off the edge. So I, I mean, I, I still don't know that he can play three downs as a linebacker. I, I, and, I, and it's not a slight on the kid. We just haven't seen it yet. No, it's just a matter of fit, yeah. like everybody else. Um, but he's, that's he's, he's a football no, he's player. He's an athlete. He can freaking go, man. Yeah, because I think the way they were giving him reps at the will, and again, we've talked about this before, Cam Brown's been at the mic. Cam Brown's not going to play the mic right. this season. But that takes the load off of Micah, who can be in the box, take all those angles and responsibilities at the will simultaneously and not worry about that. It, everything looked to me like they really want to get him out there. And you they can want, see it. They want to get him reps. From, they yeah, want him to a be a linebacker. standpoint. Yeah. He, he, he covered well, I thought, in a couple of snaps. And again, this is such a small sample that's just – you know, riddled with uh, different, you know, issues if you're going to really extrapolate this out into big picture truths. But, you know, he's building. I think the competition is limited between him, probably Jan Johnson and Ellis Brooks. And, again, people who could run around and make plays, he was just on a different level. He just patches more holes right now on the roster. And he can patch his own holes. You make a play or take a false step. Well, he can, he can, he can do whatever skip. he wants with his own holes. Okay, <laughs> why, why did you have to do that? I mean, I know I said it, but, like, we can ride through that. All right. Now we everybody, can. Everybody listening. Is we fine. are fully into the quicksand. All right. Let's go back to it. Um, what I was saying is he, he can fix his own mistakes. How's that? Yeah, I agree. He, he can because of, errors. of his gifts. Yeah. And, you know, that's not necessarily a credit to him. It's just a truth about him. Yeah. Um, you know, Jan Johnson and Ellis Brooks, I think, have had to work a little bit harder and will. But they've got an edge of that experience in the playbook. Does he close that gap in the summer? I don't know. But for me, the mic position is down to those three. Yeah. And the ceiling is obviously very different. And I don't even have to tell you whose ceiling is highest. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you, because you think he's in the end. Well, I mean, he... I, yeah. Which is a fair point. Yeah, I think so. I just think, you know, if Micah gets out of position, he can get back in position a lot quicker. And, you know, the, the margin of error is just very different with him than those other guys. Yeah. So. All right, lastly, um, margin for error very slim for the D-tackles. Because yes. this is a thin group. Margin for injury is even thinner, I would argue. Um, takeaways from this were really brief. Antonio Shelton looks legit. And again, this is cushioned and clarified by the fact you're going up against a second-team offensive line. I just said specifically the guards and centers were not as good as the tackles, and overall it wasn't a great performance. But he's making swim moves. He's using a good bull rush. He like C.J. Thorpe in the run or pass game just had a bad day. I think C.J.'s probably had a better overall spring than he did Saturday. Yeah. Um, but Antonio Shelton was a major reason for that. Yeah, and in big picture, if he can come along, absolutely. Absolutely huge. Um, just looking at Saturday, I mean, it, his burst off the ball is, is exactly what you need. And, and I mean, this was something where, you know, he came into the spring and he had to prove a lot. And, you know, I don't think he's, you know, a constant threat to, to step in there and make plays. But if you can get some good reps out of him and, and get get some first and second down reps out of him. I mean, that's a that's a that'd be a big push for this team. 
Beyond that, uh, Fred Hanser was pretty nimble, which surprised me. You know, he's known for his size. He's one of the only a couple of guys who's over 300 pounds, but he, he moved pretty well. He's got that power. Still going to be young. You know, guys getting out of um, their gap responsibility or control or particular angles and, you know, how they're involved in certain games and stunts. You know, you only get better at that through experience, but... You know, I thought he looked good. They're obviously going to count on him, but there's room for guys like P.J. Mustafer, maybe even Judge Culpepper to step in. Yeah. Mustafer, 295 pounds this weekend, which is a that's certainly uh, encouraging for a guy that they're looking to hopefully come in and compete next year. Not, I mean, you don't know how, how well he's going to step in. But I think we've, we've lumped Shelton, Hansard, and Barber together all spring. I think Shelton has kind of taken that next step. So Hansard, oh, for sure. Hansard and Barber, and, and Barber, you, you mentioned, made a really nice play um, right before the Mark Allen touchdown. But you know, flashes, flashes here, flashes there, but not consistency, and that's going to be what's what sets those guys apart yeah i think you could probably even put them in three separate tiers like shelton i would say you're comfortable at this point from what you've heard from the staff and what i saw on saturday and occasionally in practice of that's a guy who's in the rotation feel good about him especially in relation to his competition hanser's a little bit below there a little bit younger you're still looking to refine his game but he's got enough talent and obviously the size to contribute and be a factor in there Barber's raw and again changing positions. You're young. You got even a late start arriving in, uh, in summer. You know all those things go in. He's just very strong, and that's good. But you get someone who's got a, a little bit better grasp on the kind of technical aspects of playing offensive line, and you give that initial stop. I mean, once he was stopped initially, he was pretty much over with, and you just can't have that on this defensive line. But you know, again, you don't need to expect big things. They just need to find a fifth defensive tackle, really, and they've got other options. You can see why they like Barber. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right. All right. Spring is officially over. Is oh, it? wait, no, you've got recruiting. Recruiting. Pat, you just glossed right over that, didn't you, when you were reading the rundown? Uh, recruiting, um, still a work in progress. We're recording late Sunday night. Um, this will be up Monday morning. The official visitors, all 10 of them, will leave Monday morning. Um, so there's still, you know, obviously, word to to get around on that. But, uh, you know, one commitment so far, uh, Caden Wallace, we knew that one was coming in last week. Um, you know, but still, it does not take away the fact that's a huge commitment for Penn State. Yes, we definitely did. <laughs> we knew that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was so big because he's a guy, he's a guard, but he could play guard tackle, you know, if you needed him to, I, I still see other guys in the class that could fill that role a little bit better. But, uh, I think we, we at 24 seven sports bumped him up to the number two guard in the country, top 40 nationally. I mean, this is, this is a kid that can play. He's I mean, athletic. Yeah. He's, he's athletic. He's tough. Um, he brings a little bit more of an edge to that interior and, you know, Penn state, I think is recruited on the interior very well and, and, and Wallace is no different. And also, you know, to, to get back on the train. I mean, this is the first commitment since October. Gets things rolling. Um, you know, I'm going to skip ahead to one of the last points I had here. We learned a, a whole lot about where this process is right now with the spring officials. Because there, there are guys that were on campus this weekend that probably would have already been in the class or, you know, close to being in the class with a with a – you know, an atmosphere like this. So these guys want to take some more visits. There's a couple of guys, uh, you know, Ja'Kai Moore uh, was in town, you know, ultimately expect him to end up in the class, but he wants to see South Carolina next weekend. Salim Worley, um, you know, I think this is probably where the expectations were with the commitment because of five visits in three weeks and, you know, insanely high on Penn State, their leader, all that kind of stuff. But he sets up a visit with Notre Dame for, for June 15th, and all of a sudden his process slows down, which also slows down 
down Moore's process, which also slows down Xavier Trust, you know, with yeah. the with the the offensive line dominoes. So Worley not committing sort of threw a wrench into some plans this weekend, but you know, the, the, it's not a huge problem. I mean, the, the, they'll go two more months and and then maybe that will happen or something like that. So. Um, not worried with just the one commit so far. As I said, that could change by the time we go, you know, live tomorrow morning. So, um, but no, I, I think it was a productive weekend, uh, 160, 170 kids plus the eighth grade all-star game, which we're not going to talk about, but it was ridiculous. There, you saw the 2022 kid that's already got an offer from Bama. Um, you know, all those guys came in, James Franklin talked to all of them. They weighed them in. They, you know, it was basically like a recruiting trip for eighth graders, right. which is just crazy, but it's going to stick in those kids' minds. So, um, you know, very forward thinking moment by Franklin and the staff. Uh, speaking of the guys that you care about right now, the 2019 guys, 2020 um, big time atmosphere it, it, it's going to work itself out I mean Penn State's going to go out of this and, and you're looking two or three months from now probably going to have you know, eight or 10 guys, you know, in uh, over the 2019, 2020 classes, wow. probably on board. So, I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, with, with the new official visits, you can take them through June. So these kids are, that's what they want to do. This is the new fresh thing to do. You get these visits paid for, um, you go out, so you see some schools, some, some school, I mean, Caden Wallace was at Oklahoma last weekend. He wasn't going to Oklahoma, but you know, that they, they wanted to check those things out. And for Penn State specifically, I think, you know, on the outside looking in, certainly, this was a best-case scenario. Weather, atmosphere, oh, yeah. at least relative competitiveness of the entire game, the fact so many other kids were in town, yes, it's just going to be a cluster, you know what, but for them to go in and not have any idea how to handle this, you know, if you could script everything else that's outside of your control as you would have it, that's probably how it would have unfolded. Am I right? It was ideal for the circumstances they were in. I don't think they like the official visits in the spring. I mean, Penn State has done so yeah. well for so long without them and kind of understaffed right now, kind of spread thin because you're bringing in 10, 10 very, very important guys along with 150, you know, not less important guys, but guys that aren't um, perhaps in the situations those other those other 10 are. So, yes, you're right. Absolutely. Ideal weekend for that. Going to be a positive weekend. Yes. R- regardless if there's only one commit or if they get a couple uh, Monday or something like that, uh, it, going to be very positive. Who are the biggest names to know looking for the next couple of days, weeks, as you said, maybe two months? I, I, I keep looking back to those offensive linemen. Ja'Kai Moore, uh, you know, he's, which, by the way, they love as a guard tackle swing guy. Um, you know, and, and you go back to Wormley, and, and I'll get back to Wormley here for a second. He set up that visit. Penn State's policy, and they've, they've really tried to stick with that the last couple of years. If you want to take visits, don't commit. We're not going to take it. That, and, and I think that's where it goes. Salim Wormley could have committed some places this weekend and then gone and seen Notre Dame or, or gone and, you know, taken other visits in the fall. Penn State doesn't want to deal with that. I mean, right. and that's, you know, and that could be bad. They could be burned by that once or twice, but more often than not, you take the kid that's sure of his decision versus the kid that's going to take some more time. I mean, it, it, it kind of writes itself. So, yeah, I mean, Tyler Rudolph's still on campus. Marquise Wilson's still on campus. A lot of those official visitors, um, you're looking at Devin Ford, um, who Ohio State's probably not in the run with any, or in, in the running for anymore. Um, so you're looking at Penn State versus Virginia Tech down the stretch for him. So, I think there's just – there's a ton of guys. Um, I put in a crystal ball for Marshawn Lloyd at DeMatha. Uh, oh. DeMatha, sorry. Uh, 2020 running back. Uh, I believe he's the number two or number three running back in the country. You know, Penn State's done a phenomenal job with him. So there's just so many that you could look at and say, yeah, I can see this kid coming. You know, and that's, the, that's basically what I go back to with that. Okay. So, 
I like it. All right. Take a break. I need a water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving forward, not with recruiting, but looking into summer, most of the time the players are going to spend now until camp starts is going to be with the strength and conditioning staff. So from a football standpoint of being on the field, that's going to be all left up to them as they get bigger, faster, stronger. Those reports obviously going to be passed on to the staff, but there's not a whole lot learned of, wow, he's impressing, stuff you would traditionally learn in spring ball. <laughs> so from all that we've learned, which from my standpoint I wrote about this uh, today, was – you know, this is the team we kind of expected this point. They standpoint. are who we thought we were? Yeah, yeah, they are who we thought they were. Um, there were still major pieces missing from the spring right. that shouldn't be missing from the summer, and in some very different, for very different reasons. Right. So, for starters, uh, John Reed purposely held out, just like Amani was. They're going to be back. They're going to be starting at cornerback. It's a very different feel to that defensive backfield. Uh, Garrett Taylor emerging at safety. You know, defensive tackles, I'd imagine we'll see Robert Windsor, who kind of faded out from the end of the spring. Um, beyond the names I just listed, who else are you looking for at summer of what they're going to do? Well, to me, there's one guy. It can change the entire offense, and even if it's not, you know, a position that, that you're looking for to be a strength, but Nick Bowers. I mean, that I think that's... True. He, we, we saw him in pads this spring. He did a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's just they're overly careful based off his injury history. So, um, well, we yeah. saw him in November, too, against Nebraska. I mean, he, he looked good. good. Yeah. Run and pass. If, if he can come together, if he can stay healthy, it, it just does so much for this offense. Um, not, I don't look for him to go out and catch 30 passes or 40 passes, but he can get there. He can get his hat on somebody, and, and, and he can move some people, which you didn't see last year at tight end. And, you know, he gives you a different dynamic than John Holland, who we didn't see it this spring at, at all. So I just think Nick Bowers can make the biggest difference from what we saw in spring to what we see in, in August, September. You said you needed a water. I feel like we could get you a Red Bull. How's that sound? <laughs> Give me something, man. It's been a while since we did a free uh... – not sponsor, but like a free, uh, what do you call it? Product placement? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's more like a visual thing, no? Like I mentioned Diet Mountain Dew, just as I did now, like two months ago. And I was like, free advertising. There you go. Yeah, well, I'm Red sure they cashed in on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Big reach here. Wow. Don't knock it. They sent you a case. I'm also, sure. don't knock us in the uh, reviews and ratings. Some people are not doing that for fun, and that's, uh, that's cool, man. We're t- I told you we're not acknowledging that. It's just... Well, it happened. Yeah. Anyway, um, other guy offensively. Other guy. You talked about Nick Bowers, Jawan yes. Johnson. Yeah. I mean, That's where he, I was going. he got hurt the first week of spring. We didn't see him. You know, maybe there's a silver lining there. You get a little bit more of Hamler and Hip and Hammer and Polk and those guys. And Cam Sullivan Brown had a couple catches the other day, so you you get the the, the young guys more reps. Not that they were going to overload Johnson or Juwan Johnson this spring anyway, right. but. I mean, there's probably a little bit of a silver lining there, but, you know, he comes back. He makes your offense pretty much completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. Justin Shorter's in that mix, too, I think, naturally, just as a, a five-star kid coming in anywhere, right? I think certain people want to plug him into the starting lineup, and I understand why, but from a position standpoint, I think he's almost seems ticketed to be Juwan's backup at the X. That's his best. I agree. I don't think you're going to put him at the Z. You know, DeAndre Thompson is going to be in the slot. Brandon Polk's at the Z now. Based on his spring game, I wasn't terribly impressed, but I don't know if it would be shorter beating him out as much as you might have a Matt Kippenhammer. Again, not based on the spring, but just, you know, for all the reasons we talked about earlier. 21.03 in the 200 meters this weekend for Justin Shorter. That's insane considering, you know, how he's a big boy. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. He can run. He can run, run. Um, lastly, kicking situation, <laughs> and you mentioned defensive ends. 
defensive ends were just it was brutal to, to watch this spring i mean because buckholz wasn't doing anything uh, outside of individual uh simmons tony joseph gross mattles at, at, at different times we we missed them at practice they were hurt or whatnot and simmons ended up on a scooter as we saw in the infamous tweet um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, when they get healthy, they'll be fine. The the biggest situation here is kicking. I mean, Jake Pinnaker is going to show up. A few walk ons are going to show up. Carson Landis got all the work. I uh, thought he looked decent punting, um, but you know the kickoffs. I don't think uh, you, they were long enough. That most and I don't most, think Blake has anything to worry about. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But um, based on the field goal, good. Yeah, I mean, Carson Landis. Good effort on Saturday, probably not the guy long-term. So when Pinnaker gets here, when those walk-ons get here, I expect more open competition. Uh, Phil Galliano said it about said, said about it in the postgame. I mean, I mean they're going to go with the best guy, and if that means putting one at kicker, you know, one doing kickoffs, one doing place kicking, short kicks and long right. kicks, and, you know, they're going to mess around with some different things. But, yeah, they, they have to find a, you know, a solution for that, and so far they have not. All right, let's narrow this down. Um Pinnegar, I assume, if you had to name five guys, top five to watch at the beginning of summer when they reconvene and actually put the pads on, who out? Pinnegar's in your top five, yes? Pinnegar, yeah. Okay, who so. are the other four? Um, Bowers. Bowers, obviously. Uh, Johnson, when he gets back. Juwan, um, probably Buckholz, I would throw in there. Okay. Because I, I think he's your starter. I mean, we talk about every defensive end because it's a good room as well. Yeah. But I think Buckholz is your starter there. Um yeah, we'll go. Was that five? Was that four? That's four. <laughs> wow, You're just hold me to that. No, I just um, you know we hit upon a lot of positions. I'm curious about Shane Simmons. Um, you know, I think he can bring a little bit more. I think people still see him as a twenty two hundred twenty five pounder when he's getting Over. closer to two sixty right now. So <laughs> I had to smile when James said that the other day, and it's really the other week now because he's like, "Oh yeah, Shane Simmons, we're pleased with. He's up over two hundred fifty pounds." And I go, "Right, he's not doing anything, he's not so playing. that might not be good weight." Well, if you look, uh, I think, but it, it is. It's yeah. just you know the, the image of obviously somebody if, who's if gaining that's weight not good weight. Car. I would love to not have good weight, <laughs> uh, but yeah. no, it's funny because those those video packages that they they run with all the the assistants and everything, everybody's mentioned in them. So like, oh yeah, we, we like what Shane. You know, she, Shane Simmons is excelling in his. You know, it's right. just it's so funny to see um, how that how that's rolled out because you know how they talk they don't talk about injuries, right? Well, we'll just mention everybody. That'd be great. So, um, all right, for me, my top five: uh, Garrett Taylor's in there. Okay. I'm totally on board with Nick Bowers, uh, Pinniger, absolutely. You know, Sharif Miller for me because I wrote about this late last week. He, in my mind, and we'll talk about this probably closer to the season. I think t- ten sacks for him is safe. Yeah. And that's based on what he did last year. It's based on his potential, you know, as an individual. Um, and then otherwise, you know, I'll give you, you know, Jan Johnson is probably the other player. I mean, Mike is going to have all eyes on him. But to me, at this stand, at this point, he is Mike's chief competition for that Mike spot. All right. Searching for consistency and going with Jan, huh? Yeah. Plus, you you just want to get an Uncle Rich is good. Good. Uncle races. Rich. Yeah. He's getting a lot of free. He's getting his more mention than any of the uh, companies we give free advertising on here. Well, maybe we'll take. Maybe it we'll in have Mont. Ooh, Ooh. A little tease for a future segment plan this spring. Speaking of highly regarded people, there's a draft this week. Hey, yeah. Have you heard about it for like the last? Have you three seen months? this? Have you heard about this? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Let, let's do this quickly. Okay. I have a game planned. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I love it. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. Okay. There are six players for Penn State. 
who I think are locks to get drafted. And I know you're in agreement. Yes. So what I would like to do now is we will pick a number. That number would be the pick we believe that they'll go. Now, this is not a mock draft where I say, okay, Saquon's definitely going number two to the Giants, but it's it's a way for us to compete head-to-head. Yeah. So when the draft happens, it'll be, you know, of course, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Whosoever number is closest to the actual pick that that guy goes to okay. will get a point. So, for example, let's say Saquon does go number two to the Giants. I say, no, he's going to go number one to the Browns. You say number five to the Broncos. I would win. One is closer to the two than five is. That's a point for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. We and 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 full discretion here. We just scan the draft list to see who was picking where. You know, if somebody needs the fit. You know, if it, it, yeah. if they have needs. It's about like team as much as it is roughly in the draft where we think they'll go. Yeah. It's not the exact pick. You just want to be closest. Okay. All right. People so, aren't stupid. Let's just right. Do this. Let's yeah. do the six guys and then we'll pick one of because these I think are on the undrafted. You know, seventh round kind of priority free agent area. Um, Jason Kaminda, Troy Apke, and Brendan Mann. Yeah, pick one of those three to get drafted. If he does get drafted, you get a point. Okay, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll go. With, I'll go with Apke there. I mean, okay. We'll, Let's work we backwards. can start. Let's start working backwards. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with Apke at two thirty eight. It's to the Ravens right now. Okay. Um, athletically, he's he showed he's worth taking a chance on. I know it, you know his tape is is up and down, but athletically. Why not? You know, Kabinda probably hurt himself by not being able to do the workouts, um, you know, at, at, in the combine. It was limited pro day as well. Um, and then, man, I just don't know that there's enough answers about there, you know, whether how much he can do as a guard tackle, how healthy he can be. I think he can get into a camp and I think he can stick with a roster for a while. But I think Apke, given his pro day, given uh, the combine and the, the, the sort of hype that he got behind with the Players Association game, I think he's draftable. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to go Jason Cabinda will be that draft pick. Okay. I think he goes 246 to the Steelers. You couldn't, you couldn't do some product placement for – for two four seven, it's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Sorry. Well, Jason Cabinda. <laughs> Jason Cabinda is your guy. Uh, okay. But among the six, who we get? You're, you're on board I hope he goes. I, I do hope he goes. Yeah. Okay. And let's clarify the six. I don't think we ran these down. Saquon Barkley, obviously. Mike Gesicki, Deshaun Hamilton, Marcus Allen, Christian Campbell, and Grant Haley. Okay. Should all be drafted. Uh, for me, the one who will go latest will be Grant Haley. I have him one seventy seven to the Texans. And that's in the sixth round. Okay. So 177, Grant Haley. I have Grant Haley going 216. Ooh. I believe it's early in the seventh round. Okay. Uh, or no, actually, I think it's a compensatory or supplemental or whatever. Compensatory. Or compensatory pick uh, to the Raiders at 216 at the end of round six, I believe. Yeah, Raiders. The Raiders. They, they always need players. Yeah, he's, he's scrappy. You know, maybe he'll line up in Vegas in two years. He can run, too. He can run. He can really run. He can play nickel. I know you love him, is it? <clears throat> I know you love his. <clears throat> wow. I don't love that voice. That's for sure. I know you love his value. Goodness, that's a nickel. Oh. How would your kids react if you heard the, they heard you speak in that voice? You <laughs> served that for terrifying bedtime I, stories. I'm terrified as well. But <laughs> wow. um, yeah, no, I've talked about this before. I like Grant Haley a lot. From he can contribute on special teams, not only just on, on coverage teams. He can return a little bit. He's a smart player. He's a willing player. You can put him at nickel, compete at least on the outside. You know, probably more of his own team that he's going to be going to as opposed to man to man. The Raiders traditionally have been man to man, which is. Um, you know, I thought he'd go a little bit later, but he's a he's a safe pick, and at that point, you're going to get a guy who can contribute. So six rounders get cut all the time. I don't think he'll get cut, but 
Um, all right, 177, you said 216? 216. Okay. Um, Christian Campbell, where do you have Christian Campbell going? Uh, 169 to the Eagles. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they need some, some length back there. They do. Uh, they lost some guys. Uh, so we'll go with, we'll go with that. He's, you know, his athleticism is going to trump, you know, what, whatever shortcomings he may have on tape right now. Right. Okay. I'm surprised because I thought you would have selected him much higher because I have him going higher. You know, I love you do. Yeah. 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 Big Christian Campbell guy. And rightfully so. I mean, Christian Campbell's a good guy. Um, I have 141 for Christian Campbell to the Seahawks. Wow. So this is fifth round. He fits their prototype of tall, long, fast. I think he's a little bit pigeonholed into a team that's going to play some press. Their press is, you know, kind of that cover three. But for all intents and purposes, if someone's going vertical, it's going to translate into man or convert into man anyway. I, I originally had him at 168 to the Seahawks ah. and then got some advice to, to switch him down one number for some reason. Oh, yes. Anyway. Uh, I think we run into a little bit of a, of a mix-up because you don't know is Hamilton or is is Marcus Allen the next guy. Hamilton's stock has gone you know higher than the root one on this list. Yeah, I think you could have you know you didn't really expect it. Um, the next guy that I have drafted uh, working up Marcus Allen one twenty eight to the forty niners. One twenty eight. So that's fourth round, uh, late fourth, I believe. Yeah, okay. or mid fourth. I think it was the Steelers pick in the fourth round originally. So, oh, I see. Because I was looking for that Steelers pick in the fourth round for Marcus Allen. Because I know they he went and visited them, and you know it kind of fits in with what they do. So. Right, uh, Marcus Allen. I have one twenty eight. Do we do we do we tie? I think we did. Wow. All right. This is not as fun. <laughs> no, it's not. All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to take uh, a new pick here, but let's move on to Deshaun first. Okay. Deshaun, I have ninety five. This is late third round for Deshaun. Wow. New England Patriots. Yeah, I think that, that sounds about right. He's their kind of player, which maybe not specific to Whiteout, but let's speak on a, a bigger <laughs> picture. I look for Apke for in the seventh round of the Patriots. They don't. They yeah, don't have we're going to yeah. convert him to a slot. Um, but just you know, his his shuttle time. You know, Grant Haley's another candidate for them too. Very good, smart player. Can play at the slot. Big background. He's a former captain. Just you know, a, a guy who's going to work his tail off. And kind of keep quiet, okay. and and that's what they're looking for. A safe pick, maybe not the highest ceiling, but you know, detail oriented, excellent route runner. It's a lot of chords for them, as I understand their kind of draft philosophy. Yeah, okay. I have him at one eighteen to the Ravens. Um, I think he fits into what they can do. He can play inside out. Um, you know, give Joe Flacco another target. Um, and you know, the Ravens have cycled so many receivers through there that. You know, there's going to be opportunity for him. So, all right, um, back to your Marcus Allen. Back to Marcus Allen, one twenty nine to the Jaguars. Oh, you're taking, you're doing the, your prices writing me. I'm, yes, I'm doing the one higher. So <laughs> as long as he goes one twenty nine or later, I have that point. This is tough though, though. Yeah, gets, though, though, um, talking is tough. Though. Run, run. Yes, very good. Uh, but early fourth seems so good for him. Yeah, to me, but. It's difficult because I think his skill set, big, hard-hitting safety, can play in the box, is kind of being you know pushed out in the league that's going more spread, more speed. And I think he's a good matchup on some tight ends. But if that's a knock on him in college, I think it only gets worse in the NFL. You know, I, I know he, he works out very well, but you know maybe because of that, he drops a little bit more where his skill set's a little bit narrowed or his fit um, in the league. Yeah. Okay. But hopefully that. not too far. No. I, I mean, he he right. ran well enough at Pro Day where I don't think he can free fall 
or anything. No, 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 not free fall. Yeah. Um, but maybe a little bit later than people expect because he was a four-year starter here and they've been following him. All right. All right, final two. Cool. Mike Kosicki. This also, I think, picks. has a range of outcomes yeah. because he's more of a very specific skill set kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. So that skill set is off the charts. I mean, yeah, I don't see him lasting past the second round, but you could, you could, he could sneak in the late first, and no doubt about it. No, I mean. Do you have him sneaking in the late first? I don't. I have him at 42 to the Dolphins. I just think there's so much. There's so many questions in that 33 to 40 range mm. that you know you, you see guys, you see teams move up for quarterbacks, offensive linemen, things like that. I mean, if if you're taking him, it, you could look very late in the first round, or uh, you know after that gap into the 40s. A lot of people like him to the Eagles with that last pick. Okay, I think there's a piece there, and um, I know one guy loves him to the Saints at 27. So really, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. You don't want to name your source? No. No, he's sitting right behind me. Doesn't sound like a good source. <laughs> um, all right, so for me, for Mike, I have 36 of the Colts. I think that's a place where, you know, new coaching staff, you know, relatively new GM. You want to infuse that with just some raw talent you can I think work back-to-back with. picks in this early in the second as well. Yeah, they do. So it's, yeah, 36 or 37. Yeah. Um, so now knowing your pick, maybe I should have taken 37. But regardless, <laughs> I think that's really in his, you know, in his target area. Yeah. Early second round, a guy who you can really capitalize on if you don't ask him to just be an in-line blocker for so long. And I think the creativity that Frank Reich, now their head coach, showed and as, you know, game planning and in being willing to draw from college concepts and, and a variety of different things that Eagles did last year, you know, would say, listen, we can put this guy in a position to succeed perhaps more than other teams would be willing to do. Yeah, I believe the Browns took David Njoku last uh, last year late in the first. Was that, did they move back into the first to take him? Um, Your source is telling me yes. Yes, so they did. I mean, so, and he's not a blocker. So, right, teams will take just receiving tight ends at the end of the first. I can definitely see that. But I'll, I'll go safe uh, 42 to the Dolphins. All right. So I have they, 30, they need everything. 36. Um, all right. The biggest question of Thursday. All right. Yes. Penn State-wise. Oh, Penn State-wise. Okay. Uh, Saquon, I mean, I don't think there's a giant range in where that could go. but Giant you know, being the operative word there. I did not go with the Giants. Ah, so. good. All right. Because I did. I won't, you won't Spoiler with alert. Yeah, number two. Right. No, I just, I mean, uh, I think mock drafts are a silly exercise. They're more for fun, and fun is good. But for me to opine about, like, this is a serious reason why I think this is going to happen is a little bit silly. Right. All the stuff that's flying around now I think is more BS than anything else. But Dave Gettleman, their GM, uh, you know, doesn't sound committed to taking a quarterback. I think it would be foolish of them to take a running back so high, good as Saquon is, um, because they need help at the most important position. A running back has been devalued, whether people like it or not. So, regardless, he drafted Christian McCaffrey a year ago in the top ten. I think a prospect who is kind of straddles that running back wide receiver position. Saquon, I think, is a better prospect than Christian was. Um, and for them, obviously, can contribute in a lot of different ways. So yep. he's a safe pick. He's got an incredibly high ceiling. Too bad that position kind of limits your impact and ceiling in the league as it's currently constructed. But for them, I think he goes number two. I think if the Giants pick number two, they take Saquon. I don't think the Giants pick number two. I think ah, that's just the quarterback situation, man. And yeah. and I wouldn't. I if it's up to me, I don't touch any of those guys. But. You know, that's not how that's not how the league works. I mean, not that that's what this podcast prefaced with. I'm a Washington fan. So bad quarterbacks running the blood for the most part. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, I I have him at four to the Browns. I mean, the way I see it, the Browns are going to get a quarterback and they're going to get somebody else and they're going to take the best player in the draft. And that's Saquon Barkley. 
Okay, so three quarterbacks then. Three first. quarterbacks or Saquon. Three quarterbacks or yeah, I guess yeah, I'll go with three quarterbacks. Kind of like your idea now. Yeah. So I need plus plus I pigeonhole you into just having the first three picks, and then I take four and above, and why I win this why one. Why did I go first? Hey, I don't know, but that was dumb. But if the Giants pick there, yeah, I could see them taking them. I, I, I could see them taking. I mean, now them. basically I'm pigeonholed into only number two. Yeah. <laughs> because the Jets strategy, yeah. we'll find out Thursday. Yeah. I'm doing exactly what I said was stupid at the house of this a couple minutes ago. Of, it's an exercise, but what's not stupid? The mailbag. Your yes. questions. Uh, we love them always, of course. Twitter and uh, on the site as well. Really good batch this week. I thought it yeah. was a, it was a tough cut. Position of greatest concern this year: middle linebacker, tight end, or kicker. What right. you got? Um, well, we did not select these. These were you know sent in by the listener. For me, it's kicker, and it's just a matter of you have options at least. I said this earlier, middle linebacker, I think it's down to Jan Johnson, Ellis Brooks, and Mike Parsons. Even if one doesn't work out, you have a backup option. At kicker, your backup option might be your punter. And Blake Gill can look very good, but you certainly don't want to have one guy handling kickoff duties, place kicking, and punting. Right. And I know Penn State doesn't either. So even if their first option doesn't work out, I don't think they're going to resort to who would be the best option behind them, which probably is Gilligan. And if not, it's going to be a freshman walk-on. Like if, if Pinnaker basically doesn't work out, which, you know, again, it's, it's not a knock on him. It's certainly a possibility, but he's a freshman, he's a kicker, and it's, he's a college kicker. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you 100%. Okay. Kicker all the way. All right. Tight end also is a question mark. I mean, we haven't touched upon Jonathan Holland. He's going to be in that mix, obviously, too. But yeah. Greatest concern. Fryermuth gets there. He adds a little bit of depth to that room. Um, so hopefully you can find one of those guys. I just, you know, with kicker, you just you haven't found it yet, and it's no guarantee. I mean, we, we've seen good quality kickers come in here, and it, they just don't have it. So right. um, I, it, you're really limited at what you can get out of that spot from a freshman, in my opinion. So, All right. Who among the defensive tackles impressed most on Saturday? For me, I, I think I kind of you give a spoiler earlier. Tony yeah. Shelton, man, he was good. Yeah, he was. Um, I'm not going to steal your answer. I agree with Shelton, but uh, Fred Hansard um, did some really nice things. I mean, it, it, you, you're not looking for him to to get the tackles for loss. You're not looking for him to get the splash plays, but if he can get out there and provide you quality snaps um, to sort of get you to third down, then that's what you need from Fred Hansard. And I think that, that he started to show that he's not there yet. He started to show it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you could make one other position change on the roster, Nick Tarbert recently dropped from linebacker down to defensive end. Also had a pretty good game for a kid who's been there about a week. Um, He's a good football player. Yeah. 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 Um, who who would be the guy changing positions? Can Tommy kick? <laughs> no. I, part of the line position? Yeah, part of the James line. James did position. mention, I think it was to Bruce Feldman, because, um, of course, <laughs> what? That, uh, yeah, um, that he might, they want to include him on special teams, which seems foolish to me. But, yeah, maybe there's your, you know. Wow. Reason to say maybe just Tommy kick is not a joke. Okay. Yeah. No, I actually didn't. Didn't read that. Didn't hear that. So, um, oh, I read the whole thing. I'm kind of st- st- uh, stumped here, but uh, oh, you can ride with your joke. Okay, I've got. I think I've got an interesting one. Yeah, maybe we'll move Michael Parsons to the lion, which frees up Tommy Stevens to to play special teams. Wow. Um, now, I just 
I look at the roster and there's very there used to be a lot more options because there used to be a lot more holes at other spots. Um, now you're looking at holes at tight end, of course, at linebacker, but you're not moving anybody you know for, that, that can make an impact at linebacker. Um, I, again, I love Parsons as a defensive end, so you know if the injuries are there, I don't have a problem switching him down. I don't think there's a clear cut choice to, to to move to fill a gap and and maybe maybe one of those defensive ends over to tight end, but. I don't think that that's necessary. No, they've already done that once. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is not a full wholesale position change. Okay. But it would be more adding responsibilities onto a player who we didn't talk about a whole lot this spring, was hurt, is very dynamic athletically, and right now I think is is not in the starting lineup. After now kind of two seasons where he's been in the mix. Aaron Monroe as a return man. Oh, yeah? Kick returner. Okay, he's got to keep his shoulder in. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a big been an step. issue so far. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion where you know your your return men are probably going to be your offensive guys. Uh, I don't know that we've seen enough from Aaron to say that. I'm not sure that he was ever John a Reed would, would pick an argument with you there. John Reed would pick a lot of arguments. Uh, yeah, he probably and he would win, win them too. You know, he watches film. You know, he'd build a computer. Yeah. All right. Um, but no, I mean, I just – I think goes back to the point where who do you move and why do you move them? Because it's, it's – No, it's a good question. It's a good it, question, but there's just limited – extremely limited options. So not as high in my Aaron Monroe pick? Not really, no. <laughs> I'm not, I think there's probably five or ten other guys that you could put out yeah, there. Yeah, well, they've got a bevy of returners. I yeah. think it's just interesting because uh, – I don't know. I can see him with the ball in his hands and, you know, might as well give it a shot. Because, again, it's limited, but... I'd like to see him at safety before we put him in a return guy. I think they've seen him at safety and haven't liked as much of what they've seen. Well, I just was individual periods this year, or this spring, because of the... Well, I'm talking about last year, too. Yeah. Tori Apke took that job. He did. And ran with it. Even after you wrote those Nick Scott column that we don't mention. No, that was just 2018. Okay. Never mentioned that here in the pod. Um... Wait, going back a second, the NFL draft game, uh, put a six-pack on it? Yeah, absolutely. All That's right. it? <laughs> sure, we can up the stakes. Six-pack's good. Wow. That was the quickest retreat I've seen since, uh, I don't know, I asked you to run like uh, a 10K. 10K? I did the 10K, did the 5K set, uh, Sunday. I'm dying right now, but I was more tired at the end of the 5K than I was at the 10K for some reason. Sorry, you probably spoke better after that than I did at the beginning of this episode. We both have have had issues, so bedtime, man. It's a rough, blue away weekend. I still have to finish tell the tape. Well, that we're we're fifty three minutes in, and I think uh, if we make it to fifty four, that's uh, I think we can call it a day. Start yawning. Yeah, cool. Great. All right, when we reconvene, it will be uh, more NFL draft talk. I'm not actually sure when we're going to re when we're going to reconvene. Well, the coach's caravan is coming up. That's the second week of May. I'd hope we'd probably sit down before then, but that's the next time we'll have real access to talk with James Franklin. They're going to New York, uh, Philly, and D.C. May 8th, 9th, and 10th. You know, we'll be there. We'll have coverage. We'll have news. We still have some things coming up on the site this week from conversing with players and asking questions after the White game. Anything else to look for off the top of your head? Recruiting. I mean, there's three commits right now, whereas I think a year ago there was like 14. So... It's going to happen. I mean, it, it it will happen. It's just different timeline. You're getting worn down by those. <laughs> Should we be freaking out questions? Should we be freaking out? Stop asking me that. Just everybody, just <laughs> stop. Stop. You'll be fine. And they're going to keep winning, so they'll be okay. 
All right. All right. Ready here first. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Of course, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everything. Uh, give us a, a rating on iTunes if you like us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Last one. Sorry. I promised this earlier to Andrew, our guy who makes all of that possible. I said we were going to have a shout-out. Okay. And hopefully this guy did not stop listening at this point. I would have. Peter Drennan. Peter? We should have a shout-out of the week. Okay. Peter Drennan, shout-out. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Oh, you know what? I got in a lot of trouble. I did not shout out to my mom for the tailgate. Mm, yeah. Aren't you glad I stopped you? Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, mom, and also Celts. Um, I'm sorry I didn't mention you with the tailgate when when I was talking about my father, but it was another good tailgate on Saturday. So I know your mom even told me that she was mad at you for that. Yeah, gave her a big hug. I don't think it made much of a difference though. She's now your favorite on the site. She's now your favorite. You're now her favorite. What a fitting end!